man, I feel like we've already had church. I'm ready to just go out with joy. Woo! But I have a word from the Lord that I want to release to us today, and your faith is going to be increased, and your vision of God is going to be expanded. I know because mine has, and may the Holy Spirit help me deliver this word to you so your faith goes up. You guys ready for your faith to go up? The vision of God to get wider, for unbelief to die the death today, and for the spirit of faith to rise in your heart to believe God for things that you need to believe Him for? I am. Come on, let's get into this. Jesus, thank you so much for your power in this place. Your presence, Jesus, is beyond all human capability. Release, Lord, a spirit of faith in this house today through your preached word. Like last week when Mark preached, and I've heard testimonies of people's lives literally being changed from last week's message. You said he sent his word and it healed them. Heal us today with your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. So this is the first day of Advent, which in the Christian calendar is the first day we begin looking forward to the first coming of Christ, which was his birth. Yet in a spirit-led church is what we like to call it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does something spontaneous, and he doesn't really care about our calendars. And so when we hear something, when I hear something, I want to act on it. And so I'm just going to bring a word today that's not a Christmassy December Advent message. You can extrapolate it, but I don't care to do that. Um, I believe it's the word of the Lord, and so that's what I'm going to bring today. And it's a word of the Lord for you and for me. And so I'm going to set it up by telling you exactly what the word was, and then we're going to teach into it. So last Sunday, we, we gathered down here at 9.30 right by this wall, and we pray. And I invite you to come with us at 9.30. The Lord told us to do this, and he has confirmed it, and it is, it is a wonderful 30 minutes of prayer to God for us, for these church services, for him to do supernatural things among us and through us. In that time, uh, one of the intercessors spoke to another one and said, what scripture do you have for us today? And she said, I don't know. And it seemed like a dud, but then another intercessor popped off and said, this is what God said to me on the way to church. And this is what she said. Now, and here's the word, now is, so it's time to get the receiver out. Now is the season For the big ask. I felt this was not only for me, but for so many who have waited for their big asks. And the light of hope was flickering. I felt emboldened to call in the words of prophecy and the visions and the prayers so long awaited. In that moment, I felt God's presence and boldness and confidence and joy. Then another intercessor, who happened to be my sister who was visiting told her, it was the person that was asked, what scriptures do you have for us? And she said, I don't know. And all of a sudden, after Kathy's prophetic word, Renee said, oh, this is what she said. Sunday morning before church, which is last Sunday, I was in my prayer and Bible time this morning. The Holy Spirit led me to scripture after scripture after scripture on asking. It was so obvious that I started to laugh. He led my eyes right to the scriptures on each page. He also emphasized the fact that Jesus said it over and over and over again in the book of John. And then she said this, we are in a season where he is breaking delay. How many of you have been waiting on something big from God? Now, I know this is trepidatious. I know know this is territory 
that can rattle some people even right now as you sit here and you say, oh God, I don't want to hear another message and asking God for big things because I've asked him for big things. They have not come to pass and I'm not going to put myself out there again because I don't want to live in that kind of disappointment. So I want to knock out to the best of my ability by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, three roadblocks to asking before we look in the Bible at some big asks to see how God responds when people step out and just boldly ask their big God for big things in the earth. So here's three roadblocks I want to help, I want, to, I want us to break through today. The first one is discouragement. It's discouraging to ask for big things because of disappointment of asking for big things in the past that have not come to pass. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I'm raising both hands, both feet, and if I had a tail, I would raise it too. But here is the truth. Even though you and I have asked for big things and they have not come to pass, here's the truth. You have not because you asked not. If you and I stop asking, we'll stop having. And it's not just for you and I. It's for our family. It's for our friends. It's for our church. It's for our city. It's for our world. God has designed it for the church to release heaven on earth through asking. And what the devil wants to do is discourage you so much that you will just stop asking, put tape over your mouth, and you're just not going to do it anymore. Let me say something. It's not all about you. You and I have got to continue to ask till the day we draw our last breath because that's how God releases his will into the earth. And sometimes our prayers are not answered and the time we want and the way we want. But I'll tell you what will happen. For many of us who have been asking and asking and asking and it's not coming to pass, listen to this. Unanswered prayers can work in you a deeper trust and humility if you will allow it which in the end will be far greater value than the very thing you're asking for anyway. So we win either way. We ask the big ask, and we see the big ask answered through the external world, which is awesome and amazing, or we get Christ-like character developed in us, a dependency on God, a humility and kindness and patience and endurance, which James says actually is worth more than anything else, James chapter 1. Some of you say, well, I don't want to stand up and ask again. Now, you remember Babe Ruth, right? He was known as the home run king ever in the Major League Baseballs. Do you know he was also known as a strikeout king? He struck out more than anybody else. You're not going to hit the ball over the fence if you don't keep swinging. Just keep swinging. Hey, what if you get two out of seven? You got two. Just keep swinging. So that's number one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over things today like a, like a, like a shallow rock on a, on a lake because I would have hit three roadblocks and I want to hit some big asks in the Bible. So just grab stuff as it comes by, all right? So number one, let's come against that spirit of discouragement right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on. If that's you, bring your heart to him right now. Out of the heart is, is where your life, your, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it is the production of your life. That's where fears and dreams both reside, doubt and unbelief and faith. Come on, let's get these rocks out of your heart. Come on, bring your heart to the Lord if you're discouraged because you've been asking for things and they haven't been coming to pass. Let God tenderize your heart this morning. Father, we come against a spirit of discouragement and disappointment that is robbing people of faith and being, making afraid to ask for big things. That is not you. So as a body, as a spiritual community this morning, come on, come against this with me. As a spiritual community today, we say no to discouragement. The Bible says, do not cast away your faith, for in it there is great reward. 
Your faith is connected to the reward. So get that corrosion off the cables of your faith. Reconnect it to the battery of God's promises. And let the energy of heaven flow through your life again. So discouragement, we say no in the name of Jesus. And we release the spirit of faith and here today. Amen? Number two, it's ungrateful. This is another roadblock. People feel ungrateful if they're asking God for big things. Because look, God gave us Jesus. And how, how, I mean, I don't feel, I feel it's ungrateful to ask, 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 ask God for stuff. Well, look what the book of Romans says. I love this scripture. Unanswered prayers can work, I'm sorry. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God, Jesus is the door into the kingdom of God. And the Bible says it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Who gave us the waves on the ocean to surf by? Who gave us the beaches? Who gave us wonderful good food? Who gave us wealth? Who gave us the air to breathe? Who gave us the stars to gaze at? Who gave us the gift of laughter? This is our God. He's good. It is normal for people to be blessed by God. That's normalcy. And to be blessed beyond so that we can be a blessing to others and reveal the goodness of God. It is not ungrateful to ask God for more than he has already given to us. It's his nature to give. What he doesn't like is covetousness, greed, materialism. But he is a God of blessing. Your blessing in your life reveals the favor and the goodness of God. Just like in times of suffering, his goodness is revealed through the Christ-like character developed in you. But it's all good. If you were to write a will for your children and you leave everything to them and then you die and then they're in the lawyer's office with the executor of the will and you're sitting by listening and you're just so excited for them to read and see what they get that you left because you left your will to them after you died and you're looking in and all your children said, oh no, I don't want that. Oh no, I can't have that. Oh no, I don't, I don't want that because that would just be ungrateful. That would make your heart sink because the Bible says that we store our wealth for the next generation to bless our children and our ch- grandchildren. But if out of some kind of sense of selfishness, ungratefulness, unworthiness, they stiff arm it, it's like, well, what do you think I did all that for? It wasn't for me. It was for you. You glorify God when you ask and receive from heaven. It reveals his goodness. Can I hear an amen on that one? The third roadblock is selfishness. It's selfish to ask God for stuff. Some say it's selfish and narcissistic. It can be. But here is what I live by, and I I believe, I know it's what the Lord wants you to live by. This truth. Look at this. Living by your own human capabilities alone is humanism. Living by God's capabilities is kingdom. I don't just want what my hand can provide. I want what God's hand can provide in my life. Huh? I want more than I'm supposed to get so that I have more than enough for you and you for me and us for the world. I want God's hand to provide in my life. I want his arm to smash my enemies. I want heaven's resources opened up over my life and over your life. But we got to ask for it. We're the church. He's our God. And he ain't broke. It is not selfish to ask God. It's humility. 
When we're asking something from our big God, God enables, it enables God to show his bigness to the world. Look at this profound scripture, and now we're going to move into some big asks in the Bible. I just want to hit these roadblocks very quickly. Now to him who is able, everybody say, God is able. I don't care how big your ask is, it is not bigger than God. And he is more than able. There is nothing too difficult for the Lord. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, this scripture is in the Bible. This is an amazing scripture. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or even think. How many of you think of some big things? Like Uncle Fred getting saved, right? Or raising the dead. Or a breakthrough in your business, your marriage, or your kids serving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Or San Diego getting saved and swept into the kingdom of God. Our government becoming God-fearing again. I mean, above all we get asked or think. According to the power that works in us. And that's what I'm after today. According to, everybody say according to. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or even think. According to, everybody say according to. According to, it's a partnership. It's a divine heavenly earth connection and you are the cable. You're the connection point. According to the power that works, works, it's working in you. And it wouldn't be unbelief and fear and doubt. It's faith. It's faith in God and what God can do. I've been saying to God this last week, I want what I can't do. I want what you can do. That's what I want in my life. How about you? Huh? I've already unimpressed myself. (laughs) I am not very impressed at 55 years old with what I have produced or what I can produce. I want to see God. I've been telling him, show off. Show me what you can do. I dare you to pray that prayer. God, show me what you can do. The Bible says the eyes of God go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal and whose hearts are turned toward him, crying out to God. I'm saying you can stop right at 505 Matthew Court. You have found someone who wants to see your strength on my behalf. Can he stop at your address? Will he find somebody who's depending on him and loyal to him and crying out to him for him, for deliverance and healing and salvation and whatever else you're crying out for? If not, I'll take yours too. Now watch this. According to the power that is in us, to him be the glory. You see that? When you and I ask tiny small prayers for whatever reason, and God does tiny small things, it it reveals a tiny small God to the world. But what if you ask big fat things that are beyond your capability, and God does them? It brings glory to him. The glory means to shine light on. It reveals God. Some of you might, might, might need to wait a little longer. Like Abraham. 25 years before he had the promised child. And he tried to produce it his own way and created a mess. He tried to push it. Why did God wait? 
until it was impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a child so that only God would get the credit. Some of you in that condition. Look, here's a truth. Many times a dream must die before it is resurrected and comes to a fulfillment beyond what you were even asking or thinking because it's God's fulfillment. We'll look at this next week, and it does tie into the Christmas story. But that way, God gets all the glory. Mary said, if you came four days ago, my, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus waited on purpose because he didn't want to come after just healing his sickness. He wanted to raise the dead. Who can do that besides God? And that's the point. Let's look at five ask in the Bible. Psalm 21, number one. Those three roadblocks, clearly I could have spent the whole message on. But I don't want to do that because Christmas is coming. And i got to get this out. Psalm 21. Victory and success. This is King David. The psalm before, he's crying out for deliverance and, uh, from his enemies. He's overwhelmed. He's outnumbered. There's no way he can win. You ever been in that situation? You ever feel that way? Where you are overwhelmed and you feel defeated and, and you, you ju- you, it's either God or you're dead. That's where David was. God answers his prayer. And look what David says. Beautiful psalm. Verse 1. The king shall have joy in your strength, O God. And in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire. We're so afraid of selfishness and narcissism that we think God won't give us the desires of our hearts. And the way we interpret it only is, well, God puts his desires in our hearts, then he fulfills those desires. As though we're so decrepit and so depraved that any desire we might have that's outside of somebody getting saved is just selfishness. I think that is Gnosticism. It's a, it's a belief system that came into the church in the first century where we are evil, our bodies are evil, our desires are evil. That's Buddhism. Get rid of all desire so that you'll have no disappointment in your life, and that's holiness. And yet the Bible says God gives you the desires of your heart. Are you better than God? Sincere question. Are you better than God? Do you give good things to your children? I'll ask you again. Are you better than God? Are you gooder than God? No! Where do you think that desire to give your children good things came from? We're made as in, in his image. And again, what if your children stiff arm when you, when you, when you, when you, we gave my 13-year-old daughter, she's turned 13 today, Ava, our youngest. We have all teenagers now. Pray for us. Will you pray? Reach your hands out to us, please. No, I'm kidding. Teenage, teenagers are awesome, creative, just the whole life's ahead of them. I, I, and I mean that sincerely. I think teenagers are awesome. Love having a house full of them. But she had a desire for a guitar. You know how much joy it gave us to give her a guitar last night? Simple desire. Is it going to advance the kingdom? I don't know. If she comes a worship leader or something or does something that leads a bunch of people through Christ through worship and music, that would be great. But whether she does or not, I'm just happy to give her a guitar because that was a desire of her heart, and I love her, and I love seeing her get it. God gives you the desires of your heart because he's a good dad. Hello? You have given him his heart's desires and have not withheld, not withheld the request of his lips. That's how 
he got it. That's how he expected, he experienced God's victory and success was he asked for it. You did not withheld the request of his lips. You meet him with blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. He asked, he asked life from you and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory, he's speaking of himself. The king's glory is great in your salvation. I, I always personalize these things. I always say, for you meet me with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold on my head, which is better than David's crown, which is the temporary kingdom crown. He's put a spiritual crown on our heads. We're the sons and daughters of God. We're royalty. We're going to live with, the, with, the, with God forever and the Son of God forever. Length of days, you, uh, you give me forever and ever. Your glory is great and your salvation, honor, and majesty you've placed upon us. For you've made him blessed forever. You've made him exceedingly glad with your presence. That's his presence in battle when he needed victory. And he felt like God had abandoned him or the enemy was going to overwhelm him. He felt God's presence in the middle of his, of his battle. And he said, your presence, you've made me exceedingly glad with your presence. It's you, God, who did that. You're the one that gave me the victory and deliverance. See how he gives God all the credit for his success? That's critical. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall, be moved, shall not be moved. God's presence, when you look at the scripture, when you look at this phrase, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. You see it with David in the, in the Bible when he's in trouble like this. You see it with Joseph when he's thrown into a pit and thrown into prison and falsely accused of rape. It says God was with him, God was with him, God was with him. You see it with Joshua, I, just like I was with Moses, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And every time you see that phrase, I am with you, They defeat their enemies and they are blessed and successful because God is with them. Nobody's going to beat up God. I am with you through the valley of the shadow of death and I will prepare a banquet for you in the presence of your enemies. Secondly, the first one, victory. Well, I'm I'm going to say something here on this one. Last week, Mark, your sermon was a lethal arrow shot into the heart of depression and discouragement. And there was a man that called me from our congregation this week, and we talked. We both cried on the phone because it was so powerful. He said, I've been negative and complaining and depressed, dealing with depression for so long. Like this cloud just walks around with me, and everyone that knows me like, doesn't even want to be around me because I'm just so negative and complaining all the time. And that message, man, drove that thing out of his spirit. And he's on the phone, man, and he's positive, and he's got vision, and he's preaching at me. And I'm, I'm like, man, you are feeding me right now. My faith was going up because, because a God thing was done in him, and it was overflowing onto me. And I said, this is the real you. This is the you that God created. And he wrote to me a scripture that said, uh, in the New Testament, it says, you know, it says we have victory in Christ. He looked up a translation and says, we don't just have victory. We have overwhelming victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's nothing in your life Jesus can't crush and conquer. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. I got two amens. How many more can I get on that one? Come on. This is honoring Christ when we speak like this and believe like this and live like this. And hey, if you're, def- if you're, if you're still overwhelmed by the- when you bust through the gates of heaven and you're still believing God, that's a great way to enter heaven. I believe. Oh, hey, Jesus. That's a great way to meet him face to face. Number two, 
wisdom. How many of you need wisdom? Raise your hands. 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to skip a, a rock over the lake today. 1 Kings chapter 3. This is David's son. We just read about David, who was a big asker. That's why we love reading the stories of David, because he was a big asker. But his, and his son comes up behind him. And look at this. Here's what happened. David asked for victory and success, and he got it through battle, through the God of victory. His son comes along, and he reaps the benefits of his dad's faith. Come on. Come on. That is, see, our faith isn't just for us. It's for our next generation. They need to see mom and dad believe in God and seeing God do big things. And then they start where we left off. Our ceiling is their floor. And that's what happened with Solomon. And he steps into his dad's success and he's overwhelmed by the success. So he's not praying for success. He's praying for wisdom to handle the success. Josh Hamilton. So here's his big ask. Verse 5, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask. Isn't that awesome? God tells Solomon, ask. I want to do it, but I can't do it unless you ask me for it. Come on. Isn't that amazing? God is telling him, ask, what shall I give you? Solomon says, you've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness, uprightness of heart with you. You've continued your great kindness for him, and you've given me his son to sit on the throne in this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you've made your servant king and said to my father, David, but I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. Ever felt that way? You ever... Feel like life is overwhelming you? Maybe a promotion. Maybe you have too many kids. (laughs) Maybe your ministry is growing and and you're trying to handle it. I mean, man, when God promotes you, it's always over our heads. God has not called you and I to a normal life that you and I can produce our own human resources. That is not kingdom living. Our God always calls us above what we can do on our own strength. And wisdom, the wisdom of God. Is one of the most critical elements of being able to fulfill your spiritual destiny. And here we find Solomon caught up in the will of God for his life, and it's over his head. And so he cries out and says this in verse, verse uh, 8. And your servant is in the midst of uh, your people, whom you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who's able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord, and Solomon, that Solomon asked this thing. Everybody say, asked. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing, and have not asked for long life for yourself, though his dad did, nor asked for riches for yourself, which his dad did, nor asked for the life of your enemies, which his dad did, But have asked for yourself understanding and justice. I say that for this reason. We read this and then we think asking God for things other than the things that Solomon asked for is the only way to please God. But that's not true. David was a man after God's own heart. They both asked for what they needed. You can say that louder. 
Right on. Okay, here we go. Verse 12. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I've given you a wise and understanding heart, which we all know he became the wisest man on earth ever in the history of the world. So that there shall not be anyone like you before you or anyone after you. God did that in an instant, just like that. That wisdom of God dropped into his heart. It was a supernatural impartation. And then he just knew everything. How would you like to have that? I was praying that for you when you were studying yesterday, uh, honey, for your project that has due. Supernatural wisdom of God in you. Because he's called you and a spiritual destiny you're going to fulfill and bless thousands and thousands of people through your ministry. And you need the wisdom of God, not just your own intellect and wisdom. And I've also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor. So obviously God doesn't have a problem with that. So that there should not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. The third one, jump with me. Here we go. You want to do another one? 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to do it whether you want to or not. 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Ooh, this is going to hit hard with some of you in a good way. Fruitfulness. And in this context, it has to do with barrenness. Some of you feel barren in your marriage. Barren in your ministry. Barren in your business. Barren in what God's called you to. Emotional barrenness with the lack of joy and peace. Barrenness in your walk with God. Where is God? It's dry and barren. God doesn't like that. He's a God of fruitfulness. And blessing. But he needs you to seek him in your barrenness. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah, barren in her womb. God not, did not design women to be barren in their womb. He did not design men to be unproductive with their hands. I would say that God will do both with either, but of course men aren't ever going to uh, have babies, but women can also produce with their hands. But in the... In the Economy of God. Women are designed to bear children. That's a fruitfulness. That's why they're designed that way, and men are not. Men are designed to conquer and succeed. That's why men hate to fail, and they like to be reminded of their failures. God has given men big egos on purpose to be able to accomplish big things. The ego just has to be sanctified and be used for his will, not for our own personal will. And so this woman's barren. It's shameful. It's Especially in this time, in this age, in, in Israel, I mean, children, many, 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 many children were the sign of God's blessing. And her, her husband's other wife, because he had multiple wives, was bearing children like rabbits. And every time she bore another children, she would mock Hannah. So she is like devastated. In verse 10 it says, and she was in bitterness of soul. Some of you are in bitterness of soul today. What do you do? And she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. She goes back to Mark's sermon last week on, on um, the Lamentations. Coming to God and weeping to God in, your, in the bitterness of soul. Then she made a vow and said, Lord, give me a child, I'll give him back to you. In verse 12, it happened as she was praying. I'll tell you, the, the priest came and said, hey, you're drunk because you're just, your lips are moving, but I don't hear anything coming out and you're just stumbling around. She said, Pastor, I'm not drunk, seriously. Don't you have spiritual insight? This is my interpretation. This is, this is the first Samuel according to John. And she said, no, 
And she says, verse 16, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint, right, Mark, and grief, I have spoken to my God. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, ate, and her face was no longer sad. Why? She believed the promise of God that came out of the preacher's mouth. She believed the promises of God. How many of you, you believe God has promised you things? Raise your hand. Whether it's from the scriptures or whether it's from the Holy Spirit, spontaneous utterances of his words. Me too. And I'm going to tell you what I've been doing this last week. I've been fasting and I've been crying out to God. Because there are some big prophetic, big promises that he's given in his scriptures and he's given to me personally that I want to see come to pass before I die. I don't have some kind of disease. I'm just saying. Before I go see him, I want to see these things manifest in my life. And many of them have to do with you as your pastor. I'm going to see God do breakthroughs for you. Some of you have strongholds you've been up against, and they won't break, and I'm calling out to God for you. And a lot for me. But you see, her, her, her countenance was no longer sad. This is so important because she was still barren. When you believe, even though you haven't seen it yet, you know it's going to happen. How do you know it's going to happen? I know it right here. I know it. You see, that's not presumption. That's when faith, when you really connect, when faith, Faith connects to a promise from God. You don't need anybody to tell you anymore. You don't need any more encouragement. You almost don't even pray much anymore, though. That's still critical, which we'll see in a second if I have enough time to get through this. But her countenance had changed. And it was before it even came to pass. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, returned, and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It wasn't like he forgot about her. That's just the biblical way of saying God brought to pass what he had promised. And she, was, she had faith for. Faith was connected to the promise. So it came to pass. Everybody say, it came to pass. In the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, Meaning, because I have asked him from the Lord. That's why we named our son Samuel. We felt the Lord actually told us to call him Samuel. And the word Samuel means asked of God or God has heard your prayer. That's why our son's name is Samuel. I had a family. There's a family of the Mims here in the church. They hadn't gotten pregnant for five years. And they were trying. And they were a little frustrated. And they had it in the hands of the Lord. But I ran into them back in the children's church. And I said, hey, how you guys doing? And they told me, you know, we really want another child just not happening and so I prayed with them and last Sunday after the big ask prophetic word came uh, Shane came up to me and said we got pregnant like right after we prayed back there (laughs) God's not into barrenness in any way shape or form if you go into heaven still barren 
At least you went into heaven believing. And in the process of that barrenness, you can get more intimate with God than at any time of success. And that's eternal. Okay. I have two more to go through, but I don't have time. One is breakthrough, the God of breakthrough. And the other one is asking for life in the face of death. Hezekiah was going to die. Turned his face to the wall, cried out to God, and God said, I've seen your tears, I've heard your cry, I'm going to give you 15 more years. That's a big ask. That's a big ask. Because he was near death, like he's laying in his bed, and he can barely breathe, almost ready to die. Some of you may feel that way. He turned his face to the wall and prayed to God. God said, I heard that. Changed his destiny. What big ask are you afraid to ask God for? Don't let unbelief, doubt, and fear and discouragement dictate your spiritual destiny and your walk with God and what God can do and will do in the earth. What big ask have you asked and asked and asked? Hey, Abraham asked for 25 years. Don't be afraid to ask. It's not selfish, unless it is, and you can deal with that. It glorifies God for him to show himself big in your life. But you got to be a big asker. Okay, would you turn your palms heavenward today? Now I'm going to ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as a child of the Most High God to drive doubt, fear, and unbelief out of you and away from you right now. You just start speaking off off your lips. You don't have to shout and be a freak. Just off your lips, just start speaking to that doubt, fear, and unbelief. Go ahead, do it. Come on. This is a spiritual moment. And just say, you will not dictate my destiny. Doubt, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord told me, fear not, so I'm not going to fear. Well, this is spiritual surgery right now. Let's get this. Drive it out. So you, fear will not determine how I pray and what I believe for. Speak the disappointment right now and say no to you. You will not rob me of my spiritual vitality. My Jesus gives me his faith. Yes. Come on. Come on. Come on. If that's you, get on your feet. Come on. Let's do this thing. If that's you, you stand on your feet and you say, I'm going after this big ass. My God has done it before. My God will do it again. And it might not be for you. It could be for a child. I'm, I'm, I'm fasting and praying for, for, uh, for, for someone very dear to me right now to fulfill his spiritual destiny. He's completely off track, and I'm praying it back on track. Come on, it's not always for you. It's for those around you, those, those in your, your lineage and your household and you know, people you work with and people you know. Hey, Gary, why don't you come up and lead us in that prayer? Come on up here. That, that anointing's on you for this. Come on, get up here. Let's do this. Mark told me I don't have much time, so. 
Lord, we choose to believe you. We choose to be men and women of faith. We choose to put our faith in the Lord God who is faithful. You are the faithful one, Lord. We lift up each of these needs to you knowing that you hear before we even ask. You just did with Solomon. You answered before he even got the words out of his mouth. Lord, give us the faith. Give us the give us the belief. We come against doubt and unbelief. Yes. We come against yes. those things that would say no. And we say yes to you, Lord. Mm. Our faith is in you, mm. the faithful one. Yes. Lord. We look back at those things that you've done in each of our lives in the past. And we said, you did it for me then, Lord. I know you're going to do it for me again. Yes, I'm yes, going to yes, believe yes, you. Yes, I'm yes. going to continue to walk in faith with you. I believe you because you are the faithful God. Yes, Lord. Let's give God praise. Come on. Praise is the language of faith. Praise is the... You're mighty and strong.